Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, guys. Welcome back to the Treatment Room Podcast. I'm your host, Tessa Zolli, and today we have a true corneotherapist with us. She's an esthetician and founder of the award-winning Australian skin clinic, Skinty Fix, with us. She wrote one of my favorite skin books, Skin Side Out, which explains in very simple terms the intricacies of our skin and how we can work with it to make healthy skin choices and have the best skin possible. So welcome to the show, Robin McAlpine. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. I love your book. I know I've told you this before. That's how I discovered you. (laughs) So I was just reviewing it this morning with my coffee and really enjoying it. But I did want to ask you, as we kind of get into the conversation about barrier health and skin health, what does healthy skin mean to you? Healthy skin couldn't be further from perfect. I think that's the key because we are showing images. Everything you see online is all fake. (laughs) And to have this goal of skin that's looking like glass, like a glazed donut, all of these phrases it is impossible because skin is a living, breathing organ and it is going to reflect everything that's happening inside us, around us. So it's not uncommon for a healthy skin to have bumps, to have texture, to have color imperfections. There is no such thing as perfect skin. I couldn't agree more. And even watching, you know, old shows on TV, it's kind of refreshing when you see, like watching The Hills, you see real girls and real skin texture in a way. Just I know today, if you're watching a different reality show, things are just very much perfected. And I think it's very confusing, especially for a younger audience, which is most of my audience, to kind of get used to that skin that's totally flawless without a bump without a freckle and it's a good reminder to us that you know our skin serves a purpose so i know we'll talk more about that together yes and if you were to bump into those people that you watch on tv and meet them in the street i can assure you they look nothing like you've just seen on the tv screen they're real humans real skin yeah i'm sure you've treated a celebrity or two in your clinic. Yeah. So you know better than anyone. Mm. And usually they've got the worst skin simply for the fact that they're given free gifts. They've never had a full skin console. It's just sponsored product and it's probably not the right thing for their skin either. Yeah. They have all this access, but no professional guidance necessarily. Absolutely. Beyond skincare products, I know you talk a lot about different factors that can affect our skin. Would you want to go into detail as to what are these things that can really affect our skin health beyond just topical products? I think topical skincare can only achieve so much because there is so many factors that influence 
how our skin is going to look, feel, behave, right down to the thoughts we are thinking and our mental health and how that's having an impact on how our skin is made. But if if you understand how skin is built, it starts in the deeper layers and that's where the magic happens. And if we're lacking in nutrition or we've been stressed and our hormones are playing up or, you know, we've had a big night out and we've not necessarily drank the right things, that's going to play a huge role. And one of the things I talk a lot about is the environment in which we live. So if you're working in an air-conditioned office, it's going to have a very different impact to if you're somewhere in a beautiful tropical humid location. And our skin goes through multiple different environments in, on any given day. So it does this amazing job of adapting and reflecting and, and supporting us and keeping us healthy no matter where we are. Sometimes in doing that, though, it doesn't look so pretty because it's dealing with so many things, external factors that are influencing it. So skin is a site of response. So where we are, what we're doing, what we're thinking, what we're eating, our genetics, our lifestyle factors, everything, everything is going to influence how this organ performs. I'm really curious, with your clients, how do you kind of approach, you know, a balance of like, how do we live in a way that we can't live in a bubble? Like maybe we don't live in the tropics. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, you have clients that want to go out and have a good time and be social. Is there any advice you would share to somebody who's trying to find a happy medium? Mm, yes, you can't live in a bubble <laughs> and life is going to happen. So when it comes to looking after your skin, no matter what you're going through, it's having a really good chat with your skin therapist so they can give you the tools that are going to support you in whichever environment you're in. So it's adapting your skincare where you're at and working to make sure you have all the right building blocks. And then knowing if you are going to go through a period where you're high stress, you're not eating well, all of the influencing factors that are going to change how your skin functions. Just knowing that maybe your skin's not going to be 100% perfect during that season is quite okay. And I think it's empowering to know why your skin is misbehaving because then you don't go into this spiraling panic that something's going horribly wrong (laughs) um, and you've got this awful skin condition now. No, sometimes it's just circumstance and what's happening in your life so working with your skin therapist and what I do with my clients is if I know they're going to be going somewhere where it's very humid and dry say for a holiday then I'm going to support them with the skincare they're going to need whilst they're there and make sure they're you know eating as well as they can wherever they are with whatever they've got so it's it's about what you have access to at the time and just making the best choice that you can and if you do make a choice that not that's not necessarily the best knowing in a little while your skin might reflect that and that's okay we're not going to panic we're not going to worry that something's going horribly wrong we just know that we had a good time and we're just going to ride the wave (laughs) i love it i feel like that's the most aussie thing you could say (laughs) yeah And I I think, you know, in working with a skin therapist, one of the big benefits is that I think we can get the skin a lot more predictable. It doesn't mean things will be perfect forever, but I think the goal 
it's not perfection, it's not a cure, it's to get things where you can enjoy life, you can travel, maybe your diet changes a little bit, and it hopefully isn't the end of the world. It's about creating skin that's resistant or is not so much a barometer that that kind of flips out anytime something changes. It's having this strong, healthy skin that can tolerate the life that we live and the things that we do. So yeah, and that's, I think, the key thing working with a skin therapist and being a skin therapist is we help to build skin that can support you no matter what it is you do in life. I know you've had a pretty intense skin transformation. You've gone through, you know, a lot with your skin. Do you want to touch on your own skin journey and how you've kind of gotten to where you are now, which I know you, you were talking about glass skin not being a thing, but it looks really amazing. (laughs) I have a skin that is like a silk shirt, which means it creases easily. It's very delicate. Um, Some people have skin that's more like a pair of denim jeans, you know, it can tolerate a little bit more. But throughout my skin career, I've, I've had quite good skin. But going back to your life being a reflection and impacting your skin, um, in 2016, I went through a pretty rough time. Uh, my marriage broke down and it was a really stressful time. And whilst I have all of the skin tools at my fingertips, I had the great skincare. I have a clinic full of the most amazing treatments that I can do. For that entire year, my skin was still a disaster. I had perioral dermatitis and it was all around my mouth, up my nose, around my eyes. And despite having all of the tools, all of the tips, all of the tricks, whilst the storm was raging in my personal life, none of those things were going to work to solve the problems on my skin because there, there is so much to our skin. So if you're seeking solutions, it's not just about what goes on your skin. It's about everything around your life. And so whilst that was still raging, there was no chance my dermatitis was going to <laughs> go away. And it just took getting through that process. Um, but I had a very healthy skin leading up to that. And even, even then, you can still have things happen in your skin. It might be acne. It might be rosacea. Um, life will always throw things in our direction. And it's not to say the treatments and the products that I had were failing or weren't working or so I had to go find something else because no matter what I did, nothing was going to fix that because stress is such a big part of our skin and our skin's healthy function. And I think it's one of the things we try and ignore and push down and pretend isn't part of the story but it's actually the biggest thing because no moisturizer and no serum can outdo what stress and our mental well-being and our lifestyle is doing. It's so true. And I can almost feel like a little eye roll coming when I start to bring it up to my clients because they're like, Tess, what are we going to do? Like we have jobs, like we have stress and, you know, it's definitely normal. I love what you talked about in your book as far as stress can be, it can be there even if you don't feel like you have, you know, something that's totally life disrupting just because our lives are so busy. We're so connected to our phones. There's just, I mean, from the moment a lot of us start our day, it's just nonstop. And as women, our tolerance for stress is very high. You know, something at a stressful event will happen and we adjust and that becomes our normal. 
and then another stressful event happens. And these might be small municipal The kids drive you nuts before you get to get them to school, that stress, and then you get to work and something's happened and you carry that stress. We feel like we're carrying it well, but our faces are telling a different story. I know a lot of people struggle with that and there's not great solutions. I know antibiotics are one option, but I'm curious to kind of hear as a corneotherapist, what was your approach with that? So perioral dermatitis happens when there's a few things that happen. We've got our microbial balance that sits on the surface of our skin. And when our skin's happy and healthy, that microbial balance is happy and healthy. But then if something changes in our skin and the barrier is disrupted, that microbiome then becomes imbalanced. We might have too many of the bad guys and not enough of the good guys. Or their home where they're supposed to live on the surface of our skin becomes inhospitable. So then that bacteria that's supposed to live on the outside of the skin now has access or entry into the surface of our skin. And that's creating an inflammatory response. So our immune system starts to go into overdrive thinking, okay, the microbiome hasn't worked all that well. And now there's bacteria getting into the skin. We need to send the second line of defense in, which is inflammation and irritation to try and stave off that that invasion. And when you have perioral dermatitis, it's this constant cycle of that happening. So as a skin therapist, it's really important to give our skin what it needs to build a strong, healthy barrier and then to not be introducing anything that's going to break down that microbiome or that microbial balance on the surface of our skin. And that's that's a process and that's why it takes time. And then add stress into that. I often find anyone who's got dermatitis and perioral dermatitis have some stress going on in life, particularly an emotional kind of stress. Um, So it's important to consider that as well and know that that's a season of life that will pass, but we need to work on that as well as the skin stuff. Awesome. I love that explanation. And it's so interesting how I think barrier health is becoming almost popular. Like it's a big topic of conversation now. It's trending now. I've been doing it for 20 years, but all of a sudden it's fashionable. (laughs) But one of my key gripes with anything that becomes trendy is that it gets misused or, uh, and often, unfortunately, our industry has been through a season of breaking down the barrier and being part of the problem. And now all of a sudden we have the solution to the problem we created. So yeah, I've watched that happen in the background in our industry, but it is very nice to see that clients are becoming more educated on the barrier and health of their skin and they're seeking that more and more. Yeah, I'd love to to talk more about the skin barrier because it's one of those things you might not appreciate it until it's gone and you've pushed it way too far and then you're kind of scrambling to get a healthy skin barrier back. I know you talk about the skin as almost like a house with different structures and that protective lipid layer, which is our skin barrier. Could you talk to us about that structure and what is needed for a healthy skin barrier? Mm. Making skin make sense is part of the fun of what we do. (laughs) 
So if you think of your skin like a house, it's got floors, it's got walls, it's got carpets, and it has this roof. And the roof is what protects everything inside that house. A lot of the times when we see things in our skin, it's things like our carpets are a little bit disrupted or our floors are starting to get damaged. And that's the deeper stuff that's happening in our skin. So we'll start to see pigmentation or start to see fine lines. And that's happening deeper inside the house. But we tend to bulldoze through the roof to get to the carpets, to get to the floor, to try and do some of the repair work, forgetting that if we just fix the roof, sometimes the carpets and the floors will repair themselves. You know, if the leaking isn't happening and the roof is fixed, then everything inside the house just goes back to going, oh, that's right. Instead of worrying about this dripping or the, the leaking coming through the roof, I just need to make my walls and floors nice and strong. So as skin therapists, and I think even as clients, we need to be looking more at what we can do to keep our roof happy, roof happy and healthy. Because if we were living in a house and the roof is constantly leaking, nothing inside is going to be happy and healthy. And you can go and replace your carpets, but if the roof is still leaking, the, the carpets are going to continually, continually get damaged. Whereas if you fix the roof, the carpets tend to dry out by themselves and they look okay. So skin is exactly the same. Our skin barrier is much like the roof. Um, our capillaries, our pigment cells, they're like the carpets and the floor. So it's just when we're looking after the structure and keeping the structural integrity of our skin, it all starts at the roof, all starts at that barrier. When somebody's considering what kind of ingredients they should be using, products, what do you think is important and like essential for a healthy skin barrier? The very first thing with any products is to have a chat to a skin therapist and have a consultation. It's, I would say about 90% of the clients that come to see me do not know their skin type or they think they know their skin type and they've got it wrong. So up until this point, they've been purchasing the wrong skincare for their skin type. And by doing that, they've inadvertently, accidentally created some of the issues in their skin. So first thing is to understand your skin and what your skin needs and not be getting advice from people who are just selling a product or people who are influencing a product. Because it's one thing to know a lot about products because you've used a lot of products but if you don't actually understand the biology and physiology of skin you don't know how they're going to interact so that would be the first thing key thing is to have a consultation and get some foundational knowledge on your skin but then when you're looking for products you want to look for things that aren't going to be too stripping of the skin um, our skin actually doesn't need exfoliating if it's functioning very well. So I think we're in an epidemic of over exfoliating. So eliminating that's a good place to start. But looking at things that have, you know, your ceramides, your omegas and your essential fatty acids, because they're really important for those first three lines of your skin's barrier defense system. And looking at products that are low in preservatives, because if we're covered in microbial in our microbiome, which is bacteria, it's a good thing. We want to keep that there. If we're using things that break down that bacteria, it's going to change the balance of our skin. 
So it's looking at things that are more of a natural preservative and not the harsh, harsh ones, because they, when you apply a product to your skin that has those harsh preservatives in it, those preservatives don't get spread out onto the skin and go, hmm, yes, you're good bacteria, you can stay. No, you're bad, you have to go. It just eliminates the whole entire ecosystem and changes things. So I always look for something that uses a more natural preservative so that we're keeping that microbial balance happy, healthy, and not interfered with. Okay, very interesting. And in terms of our industry, you know, there's a lot of treatments, some of them more aggressive. I know you have some hot takes you share on your Instagram as far as like what you don't love. Would you want to touch on a few that you're just not a fan of and why? I know I'm going to get some heat for this and it does create uh, a little bit of controversy, <laughs> but I am not a fan of treatments that ablade and abrade the skin. So the, the hottest treatment of the season right now is dermaplaning and it's using a scalpel blade to ablade, blade away the surface of the skin. The issue I have with this treatment is there is no control. And I know Sarah therapists say to me, oh, but I only do a light treatment. How do you know on a microscopic level how many layers you're actually taking off somebody's skin? This is a blade that is designed surgically to cut through skin. So whilst we might not be making deep cuts into the skin, we're doing cuts across the surface of the skin. So that is taking off those first three lines of skin barrier defense. So we're losing our microbiome, we're losing our stratum corneum, and we're losing those multilaminal lipids that sit between those cells. And as well-meaning as skin therapists are doing this treatment, it is short-term gain for long-term pain when it comes to how your skin functions. So I, Definitely have some haters on the gram <laughs> because I have been sharing a bit of education about what's really happening. Um, but I think as skin therapists, we also take on treatments that are trending without understanding the full impacts of what that's actually doing to skin. So treatments like that aren't my favorite. Things like microdermabrasion, again, it's like putting a bulldozer to the roof of that house. And yes, you will have, with both of those treatments, you will have this beautiful temporary glow and smoothness to the skin, but you've now created a lot of collateral damage as well because we've now lost those, our skin's uh, barrier. So yeah, I always look for treatments that are going to help restore the barrier. But if you're having to have treatments because your skin's heavily textured or you feel like you want to just scrape it all off and start again, what we want to look at is why that's happening in the first place, because those treatments that are abrading the surface are just a band-aid to a deeper problem. So we want to look at the cause of that texture and give the skin what it needs and support it to be able to make skin that is smooth as possible for you. And remember that everyone's skin's texture is different. It's like that going back to that silk shirt versus a pair of denim jeans. Everyone is going to be somewhere on that scale and your skin is normal. It is normal. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for sharing with us. And I know it's not easy when you get that pushback, but I just want to say, I think there's, it's a big industry. There's room for different opinions. And I have to say, I agree with you both in terms of microdermabrasion and the dermaplaning. And it's not to say it can't work for some. And if you like it, that's okay. And, you know, 
there might be a place maybe before a wedding, something like that for the right person. But I agree. I think we've kind of um, found alternatives to that, especially the microdermabrasion. To me, that is more of an old school treatment and we have just kind of evolved past it. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Okay. You know what? I love a hot take and I think we should all feel comfortable sharing. Like obviously Robin has um, a lot of experience and she has seen certain ramifications. I, I think at the end of the day as skin therapists, we need to really understand the anatomy and physiology of skin. And we need to compare or put everything against that to see whether it sits with our philosophy of how we treat skin, how we believe skin should be treated. And if that aligns with your values and your beliefs around skin, then that's what you should go with. Um, but, But we are skin therapists first. So it's really important that we understand the anatomy and physiology of the organ that we work with and make our decisions based on that, not based on something that's trending or giving into client demand because it's fashionable or what, what, what is being done in the industry, but what skin actually needs. So once, once you find your place and you understand what you understand about skin, and if you can reconcile that against your beliefs about skin, then that's where I think there is that diversity in our industry. And it is a very big space for all of us. It has to align well with your values and your beliefs on skin. Yeah. And I think that's part of you know, why I love doing this podcast. I love to share different perspectives and allow you guys to hear different sides so you can form your own opinion and maybe even question what you have been taught because sometimes there is biases even in esthetician school. Yes, there's definitely updates that could be made to the curriculum. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I would agree. So, Obviously, some of these more aggressive treatments you're not a fan of, but I'm sure you are results-driven in your skin clinic. Do you want to talk about some treatments that you do love? I think that's the misconception that if I'm not doing the big, harsh treatments, that I must be natural and crunchy granola and not results-focused. So it couldn't be any further from the truth. The results we're getting at my clinic are phenomenal, life-changing. But the way we do them is working with the biology of skin and in a perfect world, what a skin cell needs to function. So look, if we can perfect what nature is already doing without too much harsh interference, the results are truly life-changing. And that is one of my favorite things to do. Um, And I see a lot of tricky skin conditions in my clinic and deal with a lot of clients going through a lot of skin issues. Um, And we're able to turn them around without having to go to the harsh side of things. Treatments I love, I love, I'm not sure if you've heard of it over there, but a treatment called Chi Beauty, which is creating static magnetic fields to recharge the ions within a cell and realign the bilayers and work in a three-dimensional way to get skin working. And it sounds really woo-woo, hocusy-pocusy, but it's very sciencey and I definitely encourage you to look it up. It's probably one of the most skin-changing treatments without being invasive. I love and adore LED light therapy when it's the correct measured wavelength and dose of light. Um, 
and not too varying past the, the therapeutic wavelength, it is amazing for recharging the mitochondria, giving getting those cells into homeostasis, which is basically their perfect working environment for them to flourish and do their job well. I'm a huge, huge fan of LED and I've been using that in my clinic for 15 years. And one of the treatments I love and adore, which feels controversial because everyone thinks it's quite invasive, is skin needling or microneedling dermal rolling. It is one of the best treatments of our industry that you can do for skin because it's triggering collagen, it's normalizing epidermal growth factors and getting skin to function at its very, very best. So it's going to trigger collagen, it's going to help the fibroblasts produce more collagen. And the way that it works, yes, it is going through the barrier of the skin, but it is not ablating. It's actually going passing through the epidermis and those needle points are reaching at reaching a point where it's actually going to trigger and elicit a response. It's going to trigger the growth factors from there. So you're not ablating, you're not removing the epidermis or the stratum corneum. You're just passing through and creating, creating the growth factors for cells to normalize and function really well. So it, it would definitely be a legacy treatment for me in that I think it's suitable for every client and every skin condition, but within a program once the skin is healthy. I love it. It's amazing. Okay. Yeah. I've seen you use your roller on your Instagram and I did want to ask you about that because I know they kind of came under fire in the past couple of years and there was kind of lots of back and forth about, is it healthy? Is it not? Do you think there are certain versions that are not safe and then maybe some that are ideal? Like everything in our industry, there is high quality and then there is everyone who's jumping on the bandwagon to cash in on a trend or a treatment that they think should be done. So, yes, there are devices that are ploughing up the skin, not doing a great job and, you know, leading to issues. And there are really good quality rollers. So it's you're going to find price point will give you an indicator um, you know, if you're just buying it online for a few dollars, it's not going to be an ideal roller. So I would say if you want to home roll, have a consultation with an esthetician or skin therapist, they're going to steer you in the right direction. And they're not doing it just so that they can sell you their roller. It's just that they've done the research for you and they're taking, they know exactly what to put you onto and teach you how to use it. The other issue I see with home rolling is people not shown how to do it properly. Um, you know, a YouTube tutorial isn't going to give you the right technique. Um, so having a, having a session with your skin therapist and getting them to teach you how to use it and how to do it in a clean way because we are creating an opening in the barrier of the skin, which can allow for entry of bacteria and things to get into the skin. So it's about doing it in a way that is clean, hygienic and a technique that's been trained by your skin therapist. So yes, like anything, there's lots of wrong ways to do it. And I think this is where the controversy controversy arises because there's a lot of things that can go wrong with a treatment that's invasive. But you think even for somebody with, say, rosacea, it would be safe for them to use a roller if it was the correct one? 
I would say not to do rose rolling if you have rosacea until you've been on a treatment plan with your skin therapist and your rosacea is under management and control. Because I have clients who have skin needling professionally in my clinic who have rosacea and it has been wonderful for normalizing the epidermal growth factors in their skin, building up strength and resilience in their skin. But if they'd started that before their skin was healthy and ready, it would have completely annihilated and destroyed their skin. So yes, I think it is suited to most skin conditions, but at the right time. Makes sense. I did also want to ask you about active ingredients. I feel like this is something, um, and when I say active ingredients, I should clarify, I'm talking more about exfoliation, vitamin A. I know those things can fit in corneotherapy, but would love to hear from your perspective how they should be used. So active ingredients are a game changer for our industry. That is where we can really create some significant results for our clients. Um, I love them. I work with actives and I can custom make active products for my clients. The thing we need to think about is how are those actives actually getting to where they're needed to be used? So an active sitting on the surface is not going to do a lot for skin. So it needs a pathway or an entryway into the skin. And a lot of companies are formulating great products that have great delivery systems into the skin. So it's getting, if, if our skin is a, a defensive barrier, it's designed to keep things out. So when we're using actives, we want to get them in and through that barrier. Now, there's some issues with some delivery because if we go back to the analogy of a house, if we just bulldoze the roof off and put a whole bunch of actives inside the house, Yes, those actives are going to have some impact, but now we don't have a roof and we've created collateral damage in order to get a product into the house. You want to look for active ingredients that have a more intelligent design and delivery system to get it through that roof without creating damage to the roof. So I look for things like a liposomal delivery because the liposome actually fuses and fortifies to the barrier dropping those ingredients in, but actually does the second job of supporting and strengthening the barrier at the same time. Um, so it's looking at how those ingredients are getting into the skin and what are they doing once they get there? So active ingredients often have their 15 minutes of fame. Um, you know, we went through a season where everyone was on hyaluronic acid, everyone is on niacinamide. I love those ingredients, love them. And I think they're amazing, but is it right for every skin or is a skin needing it or should they be having vitamin C? Do they need vitamin C more than they need one or the other? I also think we, um, we over-exaggerate over an active. Take vitamin A, for instance. It's fantastic. I just did a call on this in the squad <laughs> uh, just recently, lots of education around it. But vitamin A is seen as the holy grail of ingredients for skin. That's like saying carrots are the best vegetable and all you should eat is carrots and carrots, 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 carrots. If you're doing that, think of all the other nutrients you're missing out of. And eventually you're going to look at a carrot and want to throw up because you are so sick of carrots that 
you never want to see another carrot again. Our skin is the same. If we just overdose it and give it way too much vitamin A and all we give it is vitamin A, vitamin A, vitamin A, the cells only need so much. And eventually it blows up in our face because we've overdone it or we've used a form of vitamin A that our cells have to work too hard to convert and it creates that vitamin A response. So whilst I love it, I love vitamin A and all of my clients are on a form of vitamin A, it's in moderation and it's not, it's not ignoring all of the other fun actives that we get to play with and all of the other actives that our skin needs, vitamin C, vitamin E, omega-3. There are just endless opportunities and there's no one holy grail. Exfoliation and chemical peels. Is that something I would just love to hear your take? Mm. Do you think that's something, you know, you recommend estheticians use? Is it used sparingly in your practice? Let's go back to thinking about the skin as a house. You want to look at all of the structures within that house to understand what each of those need. So you want to look at any exfoliation and see is the reason I need exfoliation because something in the house isn't working? And is exfoliation going to fix that malfunction or is it just going to temporarily remove the evidence that something is malfunctioning? And so looking at the tools we have as skin therapists, peels and things that break down the roof, you want to question why are we doing it? What are we doing it with? And what impact is it going to have on the long-term health of the skin? So I, I don't do peels in my clinic. I do an enzyme exfoliation, um, but there's no glycolics and those sorts of things simply because we say, for instance, the skin is congested and it needs something to help break down those cells that are sticky. We want to use something to break down those desmosomes that are holding those cells together that is not gonna just annihilate the whole entire roof. We just wanna unclog some sticky cells. But we wanna look at why those cells are sticky in the first place. And it's usually because there's an enzyme imbalance that is not allowing that glue to be broken down and those cells are kind of stuck together. So if you're doing a treatment and you're doing a peel, how is that helping with the enzymes to activate them to now allow those cells to slough off and become house dust um so it's i always say to skin therapists because i mentor a lot of skin therapists is think about why you're doing what you're doing and how you're doing it and is it creating longer term things that you're going to have to sort out or is it actually addressing part of the cause so i think when we're out there selling a course of six peels to brighten your day for your wedding like it's think about what you're actually doing and do you need six peels or is one going to be enough or is none going to be enough and is there a better solution to the to the skin issue you're seeing in front of you a again comes back to us as skin therapists having to know skin inside out back to front upside down and understanding this organ the cells the systems and the structures that we're working with so it's it's why and how that should always be your question as a skin therapist, whichever tool you reach for in your toolkit, when you're looking at creating a solution for someone's skin. 
Okay, how about when we're looking at an acneic skin? Maybe you're about to totally school me here, but I'm wondering for somebody that is producing excess skin cells in the follicle, do you have a slightly more aggressive approach with dissolving the sticky cells in the follicle? This is perfect timing because I just came to this podcast recording off a squad call and I was teaching acne and all of the things we know as skin therapists. So when there is a blockage in the skin, so the top of that pore has something stuck there. It's going to be a clump of skin cells that haven't exfoliated away and they're just creating a traffic jam. So now the sebaceous gland that produces oil should be pumping oil up out onto the surface of the skin to contribute to that barrier and microbiome. Something is blocking that and getting in the way. So a quick fix is yes, let's exfoliate that and clear that blockage. And then the free oil will be able to free flow out onto the skin and we're not going to have that pimple forming. But we want to go one step back and look at why is that congestion happening in the first place? It comes back to those cells being sticky and they're not shedding away at the end of their lifespan. And why are they sticky? Because the enzymes in that uh, top surface layer of our skin is imbalanced and the oil and water is not able to dissolve the glue holding that cell and making it sticky. So you want to look at everything in your toolkit that you have that's going to prevent future traffic jams. Um, and then looking at the microbiome because our microbiome, if that's imbalanced, that's going to change the bacterial balance of our skin. If we've got a hostile skin barrier, that microbiome has to go find somewhere to live and it's going to go into that pore. And then once that bacteria is in that pore, it's getting locked in there because there's a traffic jam of cells. And again, it's creating that problem. The third thing we want to look at is this, the sebaceous gland and the type of oil it's producing. So if it's producing a thick and sticky oil, it's not going to flow up and out onto the surface of the skin. It's going to get halfway up and get stuck. And when it gets stuck, it's creating that blockage. Combine that with all the cells that are stuck and creating that blockage at the top or the opening of that pore, it's this perfect storm that creates a pimple. So when it comes to treating it, yes, we want to be doing what we can do to keep those pores and follicles clear of cellular debris that's blocking it up and creating that traffic jam. But the long-term game is to look at why does this continually keep happening? What are, the, what are the processes in the way skin is building itself to make sure it's not getting stuck and creating those blockages? Is our microbiome happy and healthy and has a nice environment to live in on our surface of our skin to not then have to go and find refuge in the top and the opening of a pore? And what can we do to influence the quality of oil those sebaceous glands are producing? So acne is a very complex skin condition. It's, a, it's, it's very intricate and there's lots of things happening. But as skin therapists, if we can look at those three key things, the enzyme activity and the compaction of cells, making sure they're not getting sticky, making sure our microbiome and our barrier is a nice place for the microbiome to be, and looking at our sebaceous glands and the type of oil we're producing as our long-term solution for acne. Yeah, acne is obviously a huge topic. So 
didn't mean to throw that one in at the end and have you go on a tangent, but maybe we'll do another episode. I, say, I think that we could do a whole episode. <laughs> because, of course, I have follow-up questions. Like, like and follow for part two. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, let me know how you guys like this episode and if you have follow-up questions for Robin about acne. I want to end with asking you, Robin, if there were any simple things our listeners could start doing for better skin health, what would your recommendations be? Less is more. There is no sense in having this bathroom shelf loaded with every product at your fingertips because skin is very simple. Skin knows what to do. Our biology knows what to do. We're the ones who keep interfering with it thinking that we're going to create this chemical cocktail of products that is going to fix all of our problems. But skin doesn't need a 10-step skincare program. It doesn't need three different products at three different times on three different days. It, it, a very simple cleansing routine, a great hydration and moisturizer routine, good barrier support and sun protection. You know. Um, a lot of clients who come to me start off with this huge collection of skincare. And when we first start working together, I give them three things and three things only. It's a cleanser, a moisturizer, and a sunscreen. And they look at me like I'm crazy because they're like, what, this is supposed to fix my skin? But I can guarantee within a month's time, they come back and their skin has never been healthier because we're supporting the, the barrier, we're hydrating, we're cleansing, and we're protecting it from the sun. And that alone, without all that interference from ingredients that were possibly misused, overused, has been part of the reason why their skin is the way that it is. So if, if you do nothing except for simplify your routine, you might be surprised at the results you get with your skin. Definitely food for thought. And I think that's such a great point, you know, to be more conservative, especially in the beginning phases of working with a new client. Yes. And I absolutely build their routine from there. We add in actives and they'll have more things to play with. But initially, less is always more. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, Robin, thank you so much for spending your morning with us. Guys, we've done a lot of esthetician math to figure out the time zones yeah. that Robin and I could connect on, but we're just so thankful to have you. I could not recommend your book more. I'm going to link it in the show notes for you guys. I know you guys are always asking what's like a, a way I can learn more about skin that's not overwhelming and very simplified. And Robin just has a really nice way of explaining things in simple terms that's also fun to read. So definitely go check out her book. And where can we find you on social media? You can find me. I spend a lot of time on Instagram. Uh, my handle is expert skin therapist. Or if you just type in my name, Robin McAlpine, it should pop up. Um, and you'll find me there. But thank you so much for allowing me to just share my love of skin with your community. It's my favorite thing to do is to help people understand their skin better. So thank you for having me and allowing me to chat with your community. Yes, thank you for coming on. You really do have a gift and a really unique perspective that I think needs to be shared. So thank you so much. And please come back and join us again sometime. Thank you.
you guys. I am going to be posting episodes every other Friday now, so be sure to check back then. Thank you all for listening and I'll see you next time.